0: Well, Happy St. Patty's Day!
1: Yeah, I love St. Patty's Day. I think it's one of those holidays that like doesn't really mean much to people, but I've had some. Uh, it's really big up in Canada where I'm from. We actually are known for having one of the largest St. Patty Day celebrations up in like one of the university towns. Really? And yeah, I feel like Google largest like it comes up. It's a sea of green. They've tried to like shut it down by making all these houses like find them like thousands of dollars if they like host parties, and instead they just put a tip bucket up front, and they're like, yeah. Help us chip in for this like five hundred. I think it's like five or six hundred dollar fine. We're gonna get, and they keep upping it, and people keep keep doing it. So I love St. Patty's Day. Yeah. I think it's like a great way to kind of like share some time with your neighbors and your friends.
0: Yeah, and some the rivers green and the beers are green and the pancakes uh, are green. Yeah, everyone's and Irish and Catholic today. So yeah. hey, for those of you just joining us, welcome to Tampa Talk. It's Friday. It's March seventeenth. I'm John.
1: And I'm Dahlia, and thank you for joining us.
0: All right. What are we talking about?
1: So on the uh, topic of St. Patrick's Day, uh, it's a fun little piece of Tampa history that we dyed the river green for the first time in 2012 under Bob Buckhorn. Mm. He decided we were, or him and his team, decided they were going to start dyeing the river green. Um, And for those of you who might be concerned, it is a biodegradable river safe dye that they utilize. Uh, And I think it's pretty cool because, you know, you see it happening in Chicago And Tampa being, I think I heard on the news the other day that we're like third for celebrations. And Mm. one of the factors is the fact that we die at River Green. Interesting. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Um, In other news there, in another historical news, the Tampa Theater is uh, fundraising for a $42 million restoration. And so, for those of you who don't know, the Tampa Theater is uh, very historic. It was designed by architect John Eberson and built by Paramount Pictures for the uh, emerging film industry of the 1920s. Mm. It opened on October 15th, 1926, and has hosted thousands of screenings and showings since. They actually slated it for demolition in 1973. And the community said, uh, no, well, no. So yeah, they
0: so iconic
1: fought against it. And obviously won. And 50 years later, here we are with the Tampa theater still, uh, the Gasparilla film festival happening just next weekend is going to be airing their debut film and their closing film there. And I, I was hoping for more films there, but unfortunately not, they're actually reskinning the La Gassetta at that film festival as well. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it's still airing shows, but they are in desperate need of, uh, restoration they cited all kinds of things that are wrong with the building. I've
0: noticed some things. Yeah. There, yeah. <laughs> There's
1: like leaky everything. And mm-hmm. um, the biggest thing is actually the third floor is not accessible right now to the general public. Mm. And they want to because of a staircase issue. Uh, and so they want to open that up as well. So they're looking for $42 million and uh, they're making some calls out to the city of Tampa and Hillsborough County, which actually historically was part of the, the group were the groups that helped save them in 1973 as well. So,
0: yeah, well,
1: we'll see what comes. Uh, In other news, the Tampa Bay Homeowners Association um, is pushing back against corporate rental companies. So I guess in various neighborhoods throughout Tampa, you'll have a good chunk of the homes owned by corporate rental companies. Yeah. And so this causes problems because, like, there's just no, like, renter support, basically, and it's kind of predatory in ways Mm -hmm. as well. And you're even seeing deterioration of the homes, right? Like they're not doing the things that a homeowner would do because they own the home. And so these, um, specifically where there's like homeowners associations, they're able to like fight back against it. So create more barriers to making um, corporate companies capable of purchasing homes in their neighborhoods. But this is a wide problem, even outside of those HOAs. You know, their corporations come in, they can buy things with cash and then they can kind of be not so great landlords once renters are moved in. So we'll see what comes. But essentially, this is a a, a kind of an effort being built up within different neighborhoods throughout Tampa. Some other uh, news as well is relating to a couple different bills that are um, going through the Florida Senate. Oh, sorry. Uh, well, yeah, one is going through the Florida Senate, but there's two different bills. Um, one is one that's kind of been talked about throughout at least our circles in that we work in kind of an educational space, but Bill HB 1069 approved on Wednesday um, is, is, is was approved to uh, require that all instructional materials selected for use in school districts be approved by the State Department of Education. It also makes the process easier for people to object. To instructional material and in library books. And so a couple concerns were brought forward in this meeting. Um, one specifically around the fact that, like, one parent can stop an entire book from being mm. available. And when asked, like, if that was true, like, if that's what the law um, would it affect, uh, the response was yes, in part. So mm. kind of it's crazy. So, some people are kind of uh, really unhappy about that decision because one parent, like one parent, is selecting something. So, they have to submit a form and there's a process. The book is immediately removed from shelves for until it's reviewed. And then, once it's reviewed, it obviously will be brought back or not. Um, people feel that they're kind of targeting certain topics. So, one that was referenced a bunch during the meeting was sexual conduct and kind of sexual education. Mm-hmm. And so, while the bill would you know, anything that might be considered overly sexual could be removed from uh, schools, which people feel is a kind of double whammy when you can already remove your kids from sexual education in Florida, like in the state of Florida. So if you as a parent can already say, hey, my kid gets like sent out of class when you're talking about sexual education. This book, this bill now doubles on that, that even the kids in the classes might be restricted from learning about certain topics because of. Uh, Or it sounds
0: like the book even being available in the library itself. Correct. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, So it brings a lot of good points on education. And I think that um, one of the speakers made a really good point of that. And I'm just going to quote it here. And you can read the article. And many articles are actually out about this topic right now. But Gant said that I hope that we all understand that we are taking away the ability for our children to be critical thinkers by telling them we want to protect their innocence. They're going to be adults one day and they need to be informed adults. And I think that's a point that we'll just leave you on about that uh, situation. And you can go and learn more. Another kind of uh, uh, story that came out of the Florida school system was a Florida teacher who has received 23 allegations of misconduct and has still not been removed from teaching. And so these uh, allegations range from having students pay him for increased grades to, uh, calling you having racial slurs, uh, not Nazi salutes, um, just kind of like a whole plethora of allegations from students to teachers. Um, and so this gentleman, uh, Todd Harvey is currently a social studies teacher at Warden high school. And as of this article is still in, in a teaching position,
0: um, it's so weird putting these two next to each other. So, this could be your teacher, but we can't let you read this right. book because someone found it offensive. Yeah. yeah, It's wild.
1: It is. Actually, it's a really good joke. I didn't do that intentionally. I mean, other than they're both about... Yeah, they're both happening. Yeah. And they're both about education. But, yeah. So, students are coming up. And that's kind of why this article came. Because they're like, hey, like, you've... If 23 allegations against this teacher over, like, 30 years. Like, some of the... Uh, first accusations are before i was even born and uh he's still going about doing this kind of stuff and affecting um you know students in the classroom in this way so yeah great point you can have this person as your teacher but you can't read a book that uh teaches you about your own body so interesting uh juxtaposition there um And then the other Florida law that I referenced was in regards to, uh, the six week abortion ban bill that is scheduled for next week. So not to be confused, Florida recently put in place a 15 week abortion law. So after, um, and so this one is a, uh, was built around the Florida constitution because there was a privacy clause that restricted, sorry, the the law that was previously placed was a 16 week abortion law. And it was done so because there was a, uh, in the Florida constitution uh, protections against up to 15 weeks for, for pregnancy. And even that was being criticized because it doesn't uh, protect victims of rape or incest. So under the 15 week pregnancy um, abortion rule, even if you were a victim of rape or incest, you'd have to carry that baby post 15 weeks. However, this new bill is a six week abortion bill. And so it seeks to ban abortions after six weeks of pregnancy, Hmm. which for reference is most people's menstrual cycle.
0: So even when you realize that you're pregnant,
1: you wouldn't, you wouldn't even be pregnant yet. Like some women have cycles that you wouldn't even be pregnant yet at six weeks. Hmm. Um, So, so it's, yeah, scheduled uh, for this coming week. And it was actually scheduled for uh, yesterday, I apologize. And so we we'll still haven't heard the verdict of what happened. But we'll hopefully have an update for you going forward. And uh, it's just, you know, important to keep in mind, uh, an eye on these things that are happening in our news. Which is why we shared them with you all. In more light news, uh, there's lots of events going on in Tampa coming up. So we have the River of Green Festival happening uh, today from 4 to 10 p.m. over at Curtis Hickson Waterfront Park, they're going to have music. They're going to die the river green. Uh, 2012 to now, so what's that? 11 years of of doing this. (laughs) You can be a part of it. Gasparilla Film Festival happening uh, next weekend, the 23rd through the 26th. Like I said, they're going to have their debuts and closing at Tampa Theater. There's also like some social events going on. And the films themselves throughout the weekend are going to be playing over at AMC West Shore. And uh, there's some really good ones. I've been looking them up. They cover all series of topics. Actually, everything from Miranda rights to racial injustices to sex trafficking, which is a very Tampa issue. And then yep. there's lighter ones. Uh, there's some about the Green Berets. And they and they really just go through a, a big range of topics. So uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find one you didn't want to go watch and, and support. You can also get weekend passes and kind of have free access to all the different events. And then finally just another plug for When the Righteous Triumph by Mark Lee. This will be a private showing with well-built Cities on the 813 collective happening on March 30th at 7 p.m. at stage Stageworks Theater. You can find the tickets on um the on Eventbrite and you can either purchase them utilizing your Jolly Roger if you're to support Wellbuilt City, or you can purchase them and they're $55 a piece. If you know someone involved in the cohorts, we have a discount code also available. So reach out to your friends. Any Anything else you want to add there, John?
0: No, I just want to encourage everybody to join us for that. It's going to be incredible. Uh, it is playing apart from this night as well. So if you can't make it with us, just go in general. Um, and we are, uh, for the private showing, the ticket price is a little, a little bit higher, um, than it is to just go in general. Um, but this is a way to kind of support the work of the well, well about cities, the 813 collective, and, uh, to come for this private showing, which by the way, the author of the play will come in after the play for a talk back, uh, which Isn't exclusively happening just at this event, but it's not happening regularly at all of the showings. And so we're really honored to have Mark come and join us and do a talk back at the end of the night and really just hope you guys will join us. Um, That link is in the newsletter um, and to the Eventbrite page because it's really hard to search on Eventbrite for it. Um, And then you can just find it at wordonthestreets.xyz if you're not already subscribed. And if you do have a Jolly Roger,
1: John put out an article this week about... Token Proof? Yeah. Yeah, you want to talk more about
0: that? Yeah, no, just download Token Proof. So basically, this is an incredible tool that um, allows for IRL event verification of on-chain assets. So what we did was we set up a protocol with them. So if you download Token Proof, what it does is you actually set it up through your computer and then it'll guide you through putting it on your phone uh, but you connect your wallet at a computer, the wallet that holds those assets. And then what it'll do is it pulls up a, a, a live QR code that's changing in real time that we can then scan it at, at an event or anything we choose to do anything at in the future is like if that wallet currently holds this asset and the protocol is for the 813 Jolly Roger. So like at the, when the righteous triumph, for example, um, if you have that set up and you have a Jolly Roger, there's a really good chance that you can come up to me and scan it and get, say, some tickets for a free drink or two or something like that, or access to a VIP or anything we choose to do moving forward in the future. Um, and so, it, and by the way, I just saw this week that, like, even the Tampa Bay Rays are getting a deal to use this same app for events and NFT projects that they're doing for their live events. This will be more and more common at uh, real life events to kind of. Act, to scan and prove ownership of on-chain assets. So I'm really excited to just help onboard people to these tools. And I'm excited to be able to use them. So if you have a Jolly Roger, please read that article, set that up. And uh, we look t- forward to having all kinds of, of ways to, uh, to let's say, bless you for doing so in the future.
1: Otherwise, we'll be out at Harvest Hill Park this morning from 1030 to 12 and the Ebor Street Community Garden from 10 to 12. So please join us.
0: Man, so much going on. I love it.
1: All right. That's what we're talking about, everyone. And thank you for joining us. Until next time.
0: Y'all be good.